This edition of the Ed Surge On Air podcast is brought to you by Dreambox Learning. Dreambox Learning is an adaptive online K-8 math program designed to complement classroom instruction and proven to positively impact student outcomes. Just go to www.dreambox.com edsurge for more information. Hello, EdSurge listeners, and welcome to the EdSurge podcast. I'm your co-host, Mary Jomata. A few weeks back, EdSurge traveled to South by Southwest EDU in Austin, Texas, to hear talks about technology and chat with both educators and entrepreneurs. But while there, we met someone who spoke about how EdTech could better serve students with learning disabilities in a manner we'd never really heard before. In fact, that individual... Ben Gerwitz is a student with learning differences himself. He's a Bay Area native and currently a freshman at the University of California, Davis, but that represents only a small fraction of how he spends his time. As co-founder of the Diverse Learners Coalition and an active participant in Student Voice, Ben seeks to use his own experiences with dyslexia, dysgraphia, and slow processing disorder as a platform to create change both inside education organizations and amongst the greater populations. He came into the EdSurge offices in Burlingame, California last week to speak about his own learning experiences in K-12, where the education system is failing to reach students, and whether or not technology is the most important component of serving all students. We'll get to that in a second, right after this. Looking for a way to get students excited about learning math and help boost their performance? The Dreambox Learning K-8 online math program personalizes learning for every student while empowering educators to raise student achievement. Its adaptive learning technology analyzes how a student is handling math problems and keeps them in an optimal learning zone by providing each lesson at the right level of difficulty. Students will develop new strategies to ensure deep understanding of key concepts, to develop fluency with important skills, and to cultivate critical thinking. If your school or district needs a math solution that has been proven to enhance math learning in measurable ways, Dreambox Learning is your answer. Just go to www.dreambox.com edsurge for more information. That URL once more, www.dreambox.com edsurge. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast, our interview with Ben Gerwitz. Now, as I said before, Ben is currently a freshman at the University of California, Davis, but that is only a small part of what represents him as an individual. In fact, I would say he's one of the most eloquent and articulate speakers I've ever seen when it comes to talking about students with special needs. Let's get to the interview. Okay, so I am here with a very special individual who I recently saw speak at South By, and I was extremely impressed. Ben, why don't you introduce yourself to all of our listeners? Yeah, so uh, my name is Ben Gerwitz. I am a freshman at the University of California at Davis. Go Aggies! (laughs) Um, I am from San Francisco. Uh, I went to a small high school there um, in this city. Um, and yeah, that's um, a little bit about me. Um, I always, whenever I introduce myself, I say that I'm dyslexic 
um, dysgraphic and I have slow processing disorder. What exactly is slow processing disorder? So slow processing disorder is um, the process it takes for me to see something or hear it or listen to it, um, internalize it, and then understand it. So while it might take you a certain amount of time to process something, mm -hmm. it takes me double or triple the time to process that. Got it. And this is something that you've known about. When when did you first discover so that? So I was diagnosed in fifth grade. Okay. Um, that's when my parents formally knew that I had a learning difference. Mm. Um, but we've kind of always known that something's been up since I was born. Um, there was compilations in my birth. Um, and so um, they've kind of always known. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't formally learning disabilities till about fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And so since you've been, let's see, so you're a freshman in college now. Yeah. So you've certainly been in school for quite a long time. So what has your experience been as a student, both when you were in K through 12, but also now in college? Yeah. So I think having these learning disabilities has played a tremendous part in my experience mm -hmm. in college and in high school and in middle school. Um, middle school and elementary school were extremely challenging for me, excruciating. Um, when s students would be writing a whole page of text, mm -hmm. I would be lucky to get a sentence in. Mm -hmm. So as I was constantly trying to play catch up to where they were, they were always moving ahead, and I was playing, trying to play catch up to where they were. Mm -hmm. And if they're always moving ahead, it's just, it's a never-ending cycle. Mm -hmm. And so my struggles first started, um, you know, academically, but quickly moved to more than just academically. Socially, also emotionally, mental health issues. Um, and I felt incredibly ostracized from my education system. I felt that my education system wasn't for me. Um, and that was really, really challenging. Um, but I was able to transfer schools um, to a school here on the peninsula where um, I was really able to provide the support I needed. I learned things like metacognition, um, self-advocacy, motivation, determination, resiliency. Um, and it made all the difference because students with learning differences, you can't learn the way everyone else does. You have to do it differently. That's why it's called learning differences. And you need to know how. So there I was able to learn how. Um, and I was able to take those to high school where I was successful. I mean, I got into Davis, but there was a lot of, tr there was a lot of struggles. Um, but, but, but. Being here in my first year is when it's all kind of come and clicked together. Um, and that's really the first time where I've really felt like I've been in an environment that really wants me there. Um, and it's been struggle, a struggle still. You know, the UC system, there's a lot of bureaucracy, so you have to work through it. Mm. Um, and you have to really, really work hard to get the accommodations you need. Mm -hmm. But once you get them, um, it's easy to, it's not easy,
but it allows you the ability to take education into your own hands. And that's where the learning begins, is when you're able to take education into your own hands. So that's where I am now. And you've been, a, I mean, you've really spoken a lot with Student Voice and some of the, you know, even at South by Southwest when I saw you, yeah. about students standing up for themselves and speaking out about what they need. You said earlier that you feel like the education system as you know it really only targets a certain group of students. Why do you think that is? Yeah, so um, I, I, I know this to be true because when the big robber barons, you know, we have um, uh, Carnegie or Vanderbilt mm -hmm. or um, Rockefeller, when they created the education system to fulfill these jobs, they created it to fulfill these jobs. Mm -hmm. They wanted a, a significant level of subordination and skill where they wouldn't question what they're doing, but they'd go into their factory jobs and they'd do it and that's what would happen. Mm. Guess what? The education system has not changed in 2017. No, it has not. Right? So our ideas about education has changed. That's a good thing. But the way we practice it remains the same. Mm. And that's why we have struggles. That's why so many people are um, working to make change. And change is necessary, but I think it's important to understand that, that we have to get to the root of the problem, and the root of the problem is that the education system is not broken, right? I used to think it's broken, but I don't anymore because it's created to target a specific audience, and that audience continues to be targeted in the exact same way than it did, but, you know... Um, but just when to, it was created. Just to play devil's advocate. So you you are obviously doing really well. You're at UC Davis. You're on you're mm -hmm. a student. What is it? You're on the student advisory board. Um yeah. So I'm a student advisory board for the Student Disability Center, and I'm a staffer for ASUCD Senator. Okay. So. So what worked for you? Yeah. So the work. What worked for me was that I had to work in incredibly hard to overcome all the challenges mm. and because I worked so hard I was able to gain the skills valuable to make me successful mm. had I not been given the resources had I not had the fortune and the privilege to be able to develop these resources things would be different um, I am a product of my family's success, and because of that, um, I've been able to be successful. Mm. But it's important to understand that, A, I speak about it because it's the truth, and I feel very passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And B, and more importantly, not everyone can access these resources. And while... Education should be the great equalizer. Mm -hmm. It needs to serve its purpose. Mm -hmm. right? If it's only serving the purpose of a small amount of students, we're missing so much talent out there. I cannot express how much talent we're missing. Um, and it's very important to um, understand that and when we go go ahead and start to solve these problems, we have to think about every piece of the puzzle, right? First-gen students, impoverished students, 
you know, um, students of color, mm -hmm. students from rural parts of the country, mm -hmm. um, students with disabilities, students with mental health, PTSD, things like that. Mm -hmm. There's really a lot of pieces to the puzzle, um, and we can solve them, but we can't solve them by leaving one of them out. Well, you talked about earlier tools and resources that you feel like really helped you. Mm -hmm. So, Ad Search writes about technology. What pieces of technology do you feel like really changed the game for you? Yeah. So, um, being dyslexic and dysgraphic, dysgraphic meaning I can't write, uh, I can't write, hand write to save my life. Where <laughs> I had to fill out a housing application yesterday, uh -huh. and I got an email from the landlord being like, "What did what you does write? Say? What does this say?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and having technology has been my equalizer. So um, I have a Mac, um, and on it I have a whole host of um, technologies. Um, I have a technology called... Um, uh, uh, Just a second, listeners. He's he's looking uh, it up Sonicent. on his iPhone. Sonicent. Sonicent. Do you guys know Sonicent? I don't think I've ever heard of that. So, um, but what it does is it records the lecture... Mm -hmm. And you can divide it up into, um, based on the slides or the components of the lecture, mm -hmm. and side by side of it, you can take notes. Mm. So while you're listening and reviewing, you can listen to what um, the lecture says and also read your notes. So if you have slow processing and you miss things, well, it's right there. Mm -hmm. As opposed to having to ask people you don't know for their notes, which kind of gets embarrassing. So do you use this in college? I do use it. Mm. Um, every lecture, mm. which is great. Um, and merely being able to type or having um, text-to-speech mm -hmm. um, or having organizing thought bubbles where I can organize um, my essays mm -hmm. visually um, before writing them. Mm -hmm. um, there's really a whole host of um, technologies that I've been able to use and really technology has saved my life mm. um, because you know had I been able had to handwrite notes well there's really no option to do that right because a I can't read my notes mm -hmm. and B if I'm so focused on taking my notes I miss the lecture mm. right so having being able to type or being able to type my essays, um, being able to do outlines or one-pagers, really anything for that matter, has made all the difference. Um, it really has. It's really been my great equalizer. But the, the key is, is the answer isn't more technology. Let's just create as much technology as we can. Mm -hmm. The answer is let's be smart about how we use technology. And we can do that. We have the brain power. We just have to you know, take a step back and be like, all right, what works? What doesn't work? What do students want? Um, what have their expressions been around this? Um, and, you know, how can we best create a solution going forward? So if someone came up to you and said, technology can solve all of a student with learning differences problems what would you say to them um well i wouldn't believe them because that's not true because it's a holistic approach mm. 
right? There's a mental health component. It can, there's, um, you know, there's processing, there's, there's a lot of different things that happen. Um, and so, yes, it can be a tremendously, uh, immensely important tool to have. It's not the end-all be-all because there's more. Because humans require human interaction. I went to a Waldorf school. Um, and Waldorf school expresses, expresses um, the importance of play and development physically before you can use your computer. Because if your brain's not developed and your body's developed, there's a lot of problems once you sit down to your computer. And so once I, I didn't touch a computer, I didn't know how to turn a computer on until sixth grade. Sixth grade. And once I was able to learn how to use it, it became extremely effective, but I was smart about how I used it. I still am, you know, with the exception of, of social media, I don't play video games. I don't do all of that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty selective when it comes to these things. Um, but again, it's, it's being smart about how we use it, where it can solve some of our problems, but what if you have perfect handwriting, but you're dyslexic? Mm -hmm. Or what if you have, you know, you can read fine, but you have slow processing? Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's, because it's different for every single individual, mm -hmm. there's really no, um, there's no solution to it. There's, it's not one size fits all. It's more one, one size fits none. Mm. Where, you know, it's like a dress. I can't just give you a dress and expect everyone to wear it. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be something that works for you. Right. So I'm going to ask you one more big question. You know, a lot of the listeners are adults, and being an adult myself, I think sometimes we don't do a good job of listening to students, any kind of students. Do you have any advice for adults out there in terms of how they can do a better job of listening to students like yourself, really any students in general? Yeah. Um, that's a great point. Um, and so a lot of the work that I've been doing is really mobilizing students to be a part of the conversation, a part of their table. Um, so my work began when I saw people having conversations for me um, and about me, but I wasn't invited to the conversation because mm -hmm. they thought they knew better than me when really I'm the expert on myself and mm -hmm. you know if anyone comes a uh, close second it's my mom but really there's no comparison mm -hmm. um, and a lot of students in this country um, feel that way they feel it's important to have their voice and their input um, and these decisions that we're making mm -hmm. because really it's about us and to maximize the talent pool and the way we're using students, we have to have their input mm. because we can't really gauge a sufficient sufficient amount of, um, you know, a sufficient response without the first responders. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so all the listeners out there, I really encourage them to consider um, bringing in students to whatever they do because their voices um, and their experiences, not only are they the voices of tomorrow, but they're the voices of today. Mm. Um, and I truly, truly, truly believe that, that what they have to offer is very unique um, and can help solve a lot of problems. Um, and overlooking them, we, we miss half of the issue. Mm -hmm. We miss so much of, again, what I, what I consider to be a sol holistic solution. Mm -hmm. If we miss so much of it, we miss, you know, a huge chunk of the pie where we can't get there. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it is how can we maximize or increase um, participation um, from the students. Um, and I think there's a lot to go um, and a lot to happen. Um, but it's, it, it's, um, it's rethinking how we develop input. Of course. Um, and that's what I'm doing um, in my life is gathering data and gathering stories mm -hmm. um, and gathering testimony from the students who have experienced this firsthand and then finding ways, um, effective ways to share these stories. Speaking of sharing stories, I'm going to do a shameless plug for you, Ben. So Ben, first of all, has a project he's working on right now. Can we talk a little bit about that real quick? Yeah, so um, we're calling it Successibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and what it is is we're um, we're gathering stories of students and posting them online and saying here here is the testimony of their students mm -hmm. here's the experience they're facing and here's how they've overcome these struggles mm -hmm. right so we have the problem and the solution all wrapped in one so instead of being like all right we need to think about the solution, we can be like, here, here's the solution, what do you want to do with it? Mm -hmm. Right, and a lot of that is mobilizing people who think they're alone to realize that there's a whole community out there that's really a part of them. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, by this, by this podcast and by my work, uh, I really hope that people think that they're not alone, that you know, they are part of the one in five because really do um, one in five individuals have a learning difference. Um, but we all learn differently um, and it's imperative that we understand that everyone learns differently. Wonderful. So, well, Ben, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I'm going to do one last thing, which is Ben is looking for an internship this summer. So if you are in the Bay Area, you are a policy wonk, right? Yeah. Yes, he's a political science major. So if you uh, know an organization or with an organization that works in education and politics, please connect with him. He does have a Twitter account. What's your Twitter account? It is bgerwitz12. Okay, and I'll include that on the Q&A for this podcast. So if you'd like to find that, just check that out. Ben, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been the EdSearch On Air podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mary Jo Matta, and advertisements were read by Alice Meyerhoff. 
you can give us a grade on the quality of this podcast by rating us on iTunes or sending an email to us at feedback at edsearch.com. You can also subscribe on the iPhone podcast app, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week with more on the future of education. We'll see you then.